Welcome to the Miles Not Included podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Brian. Run with us as we talk training, racing, and everything in between. Welcome to episode 14, Miles Not Included here. We're going to switch things up today. And instead of going distance, Brian, what do you think? Should we do some sprint talk? Let's do it. That is quite a change. It is big time. We got a great guest uh, today that's going to talk about how she went from couch to 10K to the sprints. Really, really cool story. But before that, let's talk some miles in review. Well, Brian, since my story's sad and short, I'll go first. How's that? (laughs) It sounds like a plan. Go for it. So uh, another week of goose egg, no miles over here. Still battling the hip problem. Um, I'm done with the medications, and unfortunately, pain still persists. So next step, I got another doctor's appointment set up. Got a referral from a triathlete, so hopefully it's a good referral. And uh, I'm going to go in and see if uh, hopefully you can diagnose what's going on because I have no clue. I did another massage and don't feel that much better. So... I need some answers. So, so have you been doing any stretching or anything else to try and help yourself along the way? I got to tell you, man, it's, I've not done too much. I've been really hesitant to do anything because it is so touch and go at this point. Um, I felt like early on when I was doing the stretching and the rolling, it tended to make it worse. So I've held off on everything. Um, it's basically to the point where I can walk without much pain. So I'm happy about that because even last week I had considerable pain walking and uh, I really don't want to upset anything. So hopefully the doctor will give me some guidance on that. Um, it's a great thought. And I'd like to, now that I can you know, kind of move around okay, I'd like to see about doing some cross training, my favorite activity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure besides walking what I might do, but now I was thinking maybe getting on the bike or something. I don't know. You've had hip stuff. If the bike bike's typically pretty good with that, right? Yeah. The issues I've had, I've been been able to get on the bike for, you know, a half hour or so even is, you know, enough to keep things moving, you know, coming from the running background, I find it a little tough to be stuck in a room, but then again, we spent most of the winter on treadmill, so should be pretty accustomed to that by now. Um, a couple of other things you can always do. I mean, you're familiar with the pool running. I don't know if that would continue to irritate it. I'm going to pretend like it would because at this point, I the thought of getting in the pool is, oh. Hey, you're already taking advice from triathletes, Joe. You know, it's the next step. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so yeah, I have to think about it. I got to do something, though, because uh, doing nothing is, is uh, probably not going to be real good for my, my running my running future self, so. We'll there's see. A, but there's always a bit of that core work for you. I know, and and I definitely need to ask him about that. Um, yeah, hopefully, I can figure out what what's causing this. If it's uh, if it's in the back, it, I'm feeling some of it in the back now, and that makes me nervous. But yeah, I'd love to figure out what I can do. Meanwhile, at least put some energy towards doing something productive. Other than I've been doing a lot of eating. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's like when you have an extra hour and a half during the day where you're not you know, running or taking a shower from running or stretching, you find yourself with more time to go through the cabinets and <laughs> and eat. 
So to your previous point about now feeling it in the back, the other thing to watch out for, and I was I get this quite a bit with my back issue, is that don't spend too much time diagnosing some of these later onset issues because you're too busy. These are the pains that you're going to feel from the compensating because you've been limping around. You know, maybe you're leaning forward a little bit more and it strains your back. So if you're focused too much on that pain in your back, you you're going to be diagnosing the wrong issue. Good, good call with that. Yeah, I'm starting to feel a lot of those phantom or referred pains. I don't know. And then some of the stuff that used to feel good is now feeling bad, which my massage therapist is, you know, reminds me, well, when you spend half hour, 45 minutes, an hour a day running, that's stretching out, you know, parts of your body that now you're not doing that. So that might be what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Anyway, enough of, enough of my sad tale. And you thought you were going to have nothing to talk about today. I know. Well, yeah. How you doing over there? Uh, I'm okay. It's the, the, you know, you know how the taper is. Uh, it's not being helped by the fact I've been sick for over a week and a half now, which will be very evident in today's recording. Uh, I was actually, when we recorded this a couple of days ago, I was sort of at the peak of um, losing my voice. So you'll you'll definitely be able to tell my voice is a little bit different. And even today, I think it's still a little bit off. So I've been battling this sinus condition for a while now, and it's really not helping me with my running. Fortunately, this was the first week of the taper, so I only had to get in about 30 miles this week, and uh, that wasn't too bad. I did a long run on Saturday this weekend. I just went 11 and a half miles, which seems like nothing at this point. Um, but the biggest issue I'm having right now is I'm getting to the point where I'm second-guessing all of my goals. Um, you know, the, you always say, believe in, you know, remember all your training and believe in all the work you've put in. And it's really easy until you get to the taper and you start feeling bad because your body's starting to actually absorb some of what you've put in. Uh, so I'm battling myself with that. And I've done this enough times to know everything's okay, but it's just mentally such a game to, you know, get over that and actually convince yourself you are ready. So a week out from the race, uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. My body's holding up okay. No hip issues, no back issues. Um, you know, just trying to take it easy for this last week. And I think I'll be getting somewhere between 10 and 15 miles this week before the race. Real easy miles, real slow. Just, you know, gearing up, trying to focus on hydrating this week during the week. Um, and then we've got our plan. A bunch of us are driving down on uh saturday morning it'll be it's about a five hour car ride which is not really my favorite thing to do the day before a race but it is what it is and hopefully we'll get out after we get down to st louis get out of the car go for a, a short jog just to loosen stuff up and then you know call it an early evening and get out there and pound the pavement on sunday morning that's good if i can give you a little road trip tip there um, I usually break up a five-hour drive like that. I, I hit maybe two or three McDonald's along the way. That gives you some ample time to get out, stretch, you know, kind of get the body feeling good. Thanks for the advice there. So is the uh, McRib in town by chance? Oh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to take a look at the McRib locator. <laughs> maybe 
catch a little McRib. Maybe they still got some Shamrock Shake left over. See, and everyone asked why I would want to do a podcast with the McRunner. <laughs> there it is. But now going back in all seriousness with your, uh, so this week, are you going to do any quality? Are you going to do a little bit at your kind of goal marathon pace just to get the feel? So it is a situation of take it or leave it. Honestly, it'll be a, if I feel it, I'll do it, but I'm not going to push for it. Um, I don't, aside from the confidence boost, I don't think there's much to gain from doing it, but there's definitely value in that confidence boost. So if I'm, if I'm feeling it, I'll open it up see what I can do. But again, my runs this week are going to be somewhere around four or five miles and I'll only do that probably Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, something like that. And then, uh, you know, a couple of real slow, short miles on Saturday, like I said, just to shake off the rust from sitting in the car. Yeah. What's the weather looking like? I know we're seven days out here, but... Uh, last I checked at the gun, which is, I believe, 7 a.m., it should be 51 degrees. Oh, and nice. My estimated finish, assuming I run somewhere around three hours, uh, the estimated temperature at the finish is uh, 61 or 62. Wow. So it it sounds great, but my only concern is we've been running in this winter for so long that, you know, that may seem a little hot, especially if the sun is out, you know. Oh, man. No, it sounds, I, th- I think that's pretty good. I'm As long as you're not getting any, uh, no rain then in the forecast? Not that I've seen. You know, nice. the, we are a long way out and a lot can change. And uh, with my luck, uh, it's going to end up seeing a spike in temperature. So it'll be sunny and 95 <laughs> degrees on a beautiful April 12th. Uh, well, I wish you guys the best out there. I'll be tracking you from the comfort of my uh computer at home watching all use uh around the course that'll be a lot of fun and we'll pretend we're chasing you like we would have if you were actually there oh you're so kind maybe maybe next time we'll have to pick another race to do to and i'm putting this in air quotes to do together because somehow we never seem to end up at the start line (laughs) for anything we we aim uh we sign up and aim to do together so in the future. That's how it goes. All right. Uh, I think we should uh, move on to our guest. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. We'll be back after this. Today's guest hails from North Vancouver, British Columbia. She turned her running life around, going from couch to 10K to competitive sprinting, and is now aiming to compete in the national championships. If that isn't enough, she's also a certified personal trainer, coach, and fitness instructor. Please join us in welcoming Karen Femi to the show. How are you doing, Karen? Good, thank you. With me always is my co-host, Joe. Hey there. Hi, uh, Joe. So I guess, we, you know, jumping right into it, how did it, how did you get to the point of considering yourself being on the couch? Were you were you an athlete previously or? Well, I, I actually never really was an athlete. I never did like organized sports as a kid or anything except for PE classes where we would try all sorts of sports, including um, a running. Um, and then uh, from the age like in, in my teenage years, I started to have a lot of like knee issues and even went to the doctor because of it and tried to figure out what was going on. Nobody could really find out what was 
my issues. Some people even were like, oh, maybe she's got a flat foot. And I was like, no, I do ballet. I wouldn't know if I had flat feet. Um, so, and and then I couldn't even go dancing and clubbing without having like swollen knees after and cracking knees. And um, sometimes it even get just kind of stuck and I wouldn't be able to move my leg for a while and be limping around. So I just thought, you know, this just how I am. I just cannot do any sports and I keep on trying trying to dance because that's what I grew up doing but that was the only way I could stay fit and then um, one one day um, my aunt um, who uh, got got uh, diagnosed with cancer and I heard about that race that's happening in Vancouver um, every year uh, to raise funds uh, for breast to fight breast cancer and it was they included like a 1k race what a at the time, I didn't know what fun run was supposed to mean. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I prepared for it very seriously. And there is a park right in front of my apartment. And I would just, you know, try to do a few um, laps and stuff to try to go- do one kilometer as fast as possible because I thought it was an actual race. <laughs> <laughs> um, ended up being able to, to, to do it without taking any kind of break and, and ended up going to the race and winning it like i put it into like quote quotation mark because it wasn't a race and i made a kid really sad because apparently he was hoping on winning it because fun runs are supposed to be for kids <laughs> um so that's how i started my my <laughs> uh, the movement from the couch to to running by making a kid's life terrible uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to put it in perspective <laughs> Um, so yeah, and then surprisingly, um, my knees were not sore from doing that. Um, and it was, so I realized maybe running is actually healthier for knees than club dancing, uh, something like that. And I started to do some research into it, like, okay, what are the different reasons why someone can have knee issues? And I did research on the internet, the library, bought tons of books, read a lot about it. And, and eventually I found out that it was probably actually due to the fact that I used to do dancing and um, I had issues with the alignment between my hips, knees and feet and it was just all twisted and not moving together properly. And, and I did my own uh, sort of prehab at home uh, while looking into ways I could um, start running because I really enjoy that race um, <laughs> and um see areas where uh, like find, find a running club basically and the first running club I found was uh, the running room um, and that's high I started the the couch to um, to running program that they had so that that was that really helped the social aspect because running on my own was something I'm not meant to do I just cannot do it I don't have the motivation to do that so how long ago was this that you you know realized that you could run uh, in 2010. Wow. So not long ago at all. Not, yeah. <laughs> that a lot happened in the last five years. Um, yeah, that was my first race. It was in, in 2010. That's, um, race for the cure. So, so that was then I, the one K. So how did you pick to do a 10 K? Yeah, so when I joined the the running room, they said, okay, if you're a complete beginner, you should join um, the the 5K group. And I was like, oh, great. That means it's going to be fun and fast because that's how I was training for for the 1K. But they were just like taking walking breaks after every two minutes and just like running super slowly. And it was actually making me more tired 
then like when I was standing by the one kid to try to run so slowly and I was like do you have like a faster group I don't you know like they have a faster 5k group they're like no we don't but if you want to run faster the 10k group is faster so I pretty much just jumped straight into from couch to um, training with the 10k group at the running room and that was much better pace like they had people of all level and some really good fast runners that I could just uh, you know follow and we had those walking breaks that I actually enjoyed because it was a bit like interval training Um, and uh, then our they were, they had races that they encouraged people to sign up for. And I think um, the first race that I did was um, a few months after I started the training. And um, it was the James Cunningham uh, Seawall race, which at the time was not a 10K race. It was a 9.5K race, something really weird again. Interesting. Confused. But it makes you feel good about your time because your time sounds a lot better when you only do 9.5K than when you do 10K. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and after that, the official race that the, the, the clinic was training for was, uh, in December. And surprisingly, it was a, a cross country race, which is kind of like what managed to get me to connect with the track and field community. Cause a lot of the people who do cross country also do track and field. Um, and that one was actually 10 K, but it was running through, uh, it's, it's, it was called the, the Ganeshaw. And it was a lot of fun, but it was really weird as a first 10k race for a clinic, like a road running clinic, because it included running in the in the sand, um, in mud, through a giant pond that was probably like knee deep, uh, and then like jumping over like little creeks and all this kind of weird <laughs> stuff that you get to do in cross country. It was a lot of fun, um, but yeah, it was pretty unexpected because that's not what we were actually training for. <laughs> But sometimes, you know, getting that little bit of diversity really changes your perspective of the sport. And like you say, it makes it fun. And if that's what keeps people coming back, you know, it's a, it's a great tool. Yeah, I think so. I, I actually really recommend like like uh, cross-country running and trail running to people who start uh, ro- like, you know, um, moving from couch to, to starting to run. Because uh, I, I think if I would have only done road at that time, I would my, I might have like, given up on the sport. I mean, like, this is really boring. I, like, they were, the races were kind of fun because people were wearing costumes and, you know, it was, it was fun to be around all these people. But, it, 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 yeah, it would have been kind of boring to just do road running. And, and even now, I don't, like, I don't think I would be into doing road running unless, like, I have friends telling me, oh, you have to do this race because, um, you know, I'm going to do it and please do it with me. But that's it. So... so- did you go then from 10K directly to sprinting or was there anything much, else in there? Yeah. So what happened is like once I did that 10K and I returned to the running room, they're like, okay, you know, when, when is going to be your, your what, the next step? And I was like, what's the next step? Like, you know, doing it in 40 minutes or something. I, know, I was pretty ambitious at the time. And then they're like, no, the next step is the half marathon. I was like, I don't want to run longer. It sounds <laughs> terrible. And, and And I knew from... From when I moved from the 1K to doing some 5Ks and to the 10K, that each when the distance was getting longer, I was getting a lot slower. So I didn't see the point of like, why should I do a half marathon and just like be at the end of the pack when right now the 10K I was in the middle of the pack. It's like I asked them, do you have a 10K? You know, let's get faster at the 10K group. They said no. The 10K is for people who are training to be able to finish a 10K, and that's the goal. Uh, we have a get faster at the half marathon group but we don't get it we don't have a 
get faster the tanky group. So I, I was kind of like, okay, maybe that's time that I've tried to find a different running clinic than the running room. It was great, and I really liked the people there, but they didn't have what I was looking for. So that's when I started to do some research, and I found out about track and field clubs in the in the area. And I tried first for the West, and, West Van Track and Field Club, and then the but unfortunately their their um, practice times didn't match with my schedule. And then the Northwestern Track and Field Club in North Vancouver. Um, and the only issue though is when I did the trials, I realized that only teenagers. Um, do track and field pretty much in North Vancouver. In the U.S., it's a big sport for masters and everything. I know a lot of master athletes age, you know, you know, thirty and up doing track, but here not so much, especially um, among women. There are quite a few male masters, um, but for 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 women, it's like as soon as you turn thirty, you have to become a distance runner. That's it. Um, so it was a bit weird like that. Um, so I ended up. The, so the track, I talked with the track coach and then the club's president and they started testing me around and I was like, all right. So they had a distance group, but they were like, no, I, I don't, you don't look like a distance runner. Like, <laughs> I have huge legs uh, that are, that actually got even bigger when training with the running room instead of getting skinnier. And it's not because you do distance running and you end up looking at distance runner. Like you're, 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 your genes don't don't change based on like what you're doing. It's like if you tend to put on muscle mass, you keep on putting mu- muscle mass. You're not gonna end up looking like a marathoner by doing marathons. Um, so they, they they tested my my speed, and the coach was looking at me. He said, "Oh my gosh, your technique's so bad." He didn't tell me directly. You could tell. <laughs> And he told me that after. He's like, when I looked at you, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a lot of work. Like, your technique is worse than, like, you know, the 10-year-old that I used to coach before I decided to switch to coaching uh, grade 12s because it was easier <laughs> and more fun. <laughs> so he had to really, like, coach me from scratch. Like, I was running on my tiptoes um, probably as as an instinct. Uh, one, because I used to do dance and the other to protect my knees kind of like instinctly because if you run on your tiptoes, you end up absorbing the impact with your with your ankles and shins instead of the knees. But um, there is a way to do that without actually being on your tiptoes and I didn't know that. So the coach was like, dorsiflex, dorsiflex, put your toes up, like shouting it all the time and I was like, but then my heels are going to touch. Like, no, not if you're leaning forward with your whole body, then your heels are going to be off the ground. And I was, it was making me do a lot of wall drills, which helped me understand what it means to lean from the ankle and all sorts of drills. And I, I started actually my first year with a lot of injuries because because of that bad technique. And straight away, I was getting shin splints and plantar fasciitis and all this stuff. But no, no knee issues ever. So that was the good news. But uh, yeah, and as soon as I corrected um, my technique issue with the tiptoes, and pointing my feet down, uh, the shin splints were gone, and I've not had them since, like only in my first year. And as soon as the coach was like, no, oh, that's it, now you're running properly, at least from the ankle point of view, other stuff we need to work on, then my shin splints were gone. So that was, it's interesting. How, that's when I realized the importance of, uh, of technique for injury prevention. Yeah, and I think that's a great point about, you know, the technique being different going from a 10K to sprinting. Because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of the people we talk to tend to be more in the 5K, 10K, half marathon, mm-hmm. marathon progression. And, you know, they don't consider the fact that you have these people with the stronger legs and different form and that mm-hmm. it actually 
if the longer distance doesn't work for them, they should really focus on a sport that, you know, fits their style more. And this is a perfect example of that, you know, and as someone who had chronic knee issues to mm-hmm. do such an intense sport and, you know, the injuries you got were not really related to you and, you know, the knee issues. Yeah, exactly. It, it, and, and also the funny thing is um, the year after what I decided to do, um, after I learned the, the better technique, it, I returned to, to, to that, the race, the Gunnershaw cross-country race that I did before without any distance training at all. Like all, the only training I was doing was for the 100 and 200 meter. Like my cardio was just based on interval training and I actually got a personal best by a lot. Wow. Um, uh, since like I've, I've done that race every year since I started sprinting. Um, and I'm now a full more than 10 minutes faster than uh, I was when I was actually training as a distance runner and doing like the three times per day and the long runs uh, with the running room. And I think it was because uh, of the improved uh, efficiency uh, that came with uh, having a, a lot of technique training. Like The technique training for sprinting, because it's so technique focused, can be adapted to distance running where people have less time to focus on, on, on technique or the coaching traditionally is not as focused on technique because the difference is, is often minimal compared to improved cardio. Um, but it, in terms of injury pre- prevention, I, I didn't get knee pain either doing those uh, 10Ks when I would return to, to doing them again. So during this period, were you doing strength training as well? Um. The first year, a lot, um, because I thought it was important. Uh, the second year, a little bit less. And then now, like, each time I was doing less and less because I, I don't know, I guess it's just my body type. I tend to put on a lot of muscle mass, and muscle mass just slows you down. So I just, like, I just switched to, to doing just plyometrics and, and rehab kind of exercises where um, I would just focus on technique. How much racing did you do at the beginning in terms of the sprints? Um, so for my first year, I, I did all the track meets that my teammates who were more experienced were going to. I was just always getting destroyed and finishing last. <laughs> it was it was pretty uh, depressing at the beginning to finish like up to like a second and a half behind the winner, which doesn't sound like much if you're just a runner, but for sprinting that means like 15 meters behind in 100 meters, so that's huge. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, start from starting from May, beginning of May or end of April until June. My season would end early because I wasn't good enough to to compete at the national or international level, which is usually starts in July, August. Uh, I would pretty much race um, three times a month or so. It's it's a very heavy schedule, but it's it's seasons, so there's a big gap of like multiple months with no racing at all. Yeah, so so during that period where, like you said, you're you're having trouble there. What was your what what kept you going? What was the feedback from your coach, and what was kind of that inner dialogue that kept you motivated? Um, yeah, it was just like I like I even though I I was finishing last all the time and everything, um, and I had these injuries, I just knew that out of all the the sports that I've done in the past, it was the one I was I seemed to be best. Ad, like adapted um, for like like if it, it felt natural it felt like that's what my body was best at and even though I was not as good as other people um, that's 
what I could do best. And I really enjoy that that feeling of like, oh, you know, out of all the sports, and I'm I'm not very coordinated, so all the other like tennis and everything, I'm terrible at it. This is what I'm. I can really push, you know, um, myself to to get the best that I can be. And and I could see the progress also. Like it, for, from one week to another, from one race to another, it was always a little, tiny little bit faster. And and the coach, you know, was was always very encouraging about you know pointing out my my technique improvements and time improvements and things like that, keeping track of that. So he didn't. He was not judgmental at all about the fact that um, I was old to start there was no way i would ever go to the olympics starting at the age of 25 it you know by the time i'd be good i would be too old <laughs> um so but he he just yeah he, he actually was kind of inspired at some point even uh, he tried to to get back to competing as well but unfortunately his issues were with his back and that doesn't uh, go well with the sprinting but yeah it, it was it was fun so I'm guessing at this point you've become a little bit more competitive in your results from your running. Um, yeah, starting from uh, I'd say last year, I started to move up to actually being included in the national ranking, which shows the top 50 uh, runners in every distance. So I was in the national ranking for the 200 and the 100 um, two years ago, and then last year I was uh, 40th overall in Canada for the 100 meter sprint. Uh, so that's when I was like, "Oh my gosh!" It is, the, the coach is like, "The progress is—he couldn't even believe it." It, it, it from from like 2010, uh, running in like pretty much 14 seconds to uh, running in like the, the low 12 seconds um, in the last two two seasons. So that's when, and then I started to get interest from uh, in kind sponsors, and then. Uh, recently, the Canadian Sport Institute also said they were willing to support me so that I could go to the Nationals. So that really pumped me out. I was like, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't too late to try. <laughs> it was all worth it. <laughs> so yeah, and, 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 until you try different things, you never know what, what you can be good at. And you shouldn't just like, I, I'm glad that I, I, I didn't decide that, oh, you know, there's only kids who do track and field. I should just stick with doing um, what other people my age do. Um, I, I'm glad I did that. Even though now I end up having to compete against an uh, 18-year-old. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's kind of fun, actually. It makes I, you feel young. Yeah, on that note, and I'm going to show my ignorance of of sprinting here. Yeah. What, for the 100-200, when do athletes typically peak? What's the uh, top age? So uh, for it's it's different for men and women, but I from what I... And also... Like I've seen, it's it's not about the age, but it's more about like how long you've been training for. Okay. Because it's so technical. You have, you know, like they say, it takes ten thousand hours of practice to yep. to be a master. It's about it's a bit like that for sprinting. So uh, they say it takes about ten years to master the technique. So most of the athletes um, who started around like the age of like uh, let's say four, 14, 15 for like the later ones and like. 10 to, 10 to 2, 12 for the younger ones, um, would peak around t- between 20, 25 and 30, I'd say. That's why they say Usain Bolt, for example. Um, he's got one more Olympics in him, and then he w- should move up into longer distances because as you get older, you're supposed to, to move up the longer distances. And I wouldn't mind moving up myself as well. I just um, I know that I'm probably not going to be as competitive or I'm going to have to lose a lot of weight or something. <laughs> 
stop going to the gym altogether. <laughs> <laughs> so are the 100 and 200 your primary distances or are there other distances you do as well? Well, I've tried a lot of distances just to see. Um, but the more distances I try, the more <laughs> I'm better at the shorter like ones. But not the 60 meters, surprisingly. It's really weird. Um, so I've tried the 60 meter indoor. And for some reason, I'm terrible at it. I don't know if it's just because we didn't don't get to practice indoor much and so technical because it's all about the start, which is the most technical part of the sprint, and I don't have much experience in it. I've tried the, the 400, and I was so so at it compared to my 200. It was just getting a lot slower. The 800, the 1500, and the mile on the road and on the track. And, and I just realized like, the, lo- the longer the distance, the worse I w- my times would be compared to like uh, the national level. And also, for the shorter distances, it was like 60 meter, um, it was also like very bad. I'm not even in the top 100. <laughs> so I know that you're aiming for the nas- running in the national championships. What is the process for getting to the national championships? Um, so there's there are two different ways to get in. One way is by getting into uh, the, B- the BC team, so the provincial team. They decide to select people for all track and field events, and they select the people uh, who are have the times that are the closest to the times of the top three people in Canada. Um, so the other way is to actually go there, and um, I hopefully with the Canadian Sports Institute helping with the funding, um, uh, it, it will be easier this year, and then compete into the selection uh, rounds of of so where you the top times would then get the chance to compete at the actual national competition. So um, I've looked at the times for the 100 and 200 from the previous years uh, of the people who managed to make it into the championship, and I'm within that range. So that's why I'm hoping that this year I'll get in. That's awesome. That really is. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Pretty excited. <laughs> so do you have any advice for someone who has never had the chance to get into sprinting how how can someone go from as you did doing 5k's 10k's to getting involved mm-hmm. with a track team or you know training on a track um what i'd recommend is like um like first like kind of test yourself like do do ask people to like hand time you for different distances on a track just for fun and then uh, compare your times to um, the record for your age group, not overall, because then obviously you'd end up thinking you're terrible at sprinting because, of course, sprinters are much younger than distance runners. So um, compare your times to the, the, the times for your age group and see it in, in a, as a percentage uh, in what distance you had the, 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 the best results. And that's high, uh, how I got identified as a 100, 200 runner. And then based on that, if you realize that any distance 5K and under were your best distances, uh, go on the internet and check track and field club or if you're over 35 and uh, master's track and field club. Unfortunately, if you're be- like me, between 25 and 35, you have to train with the kids. <laughs> but like I said, it makes you feel young. Like, people are asking me if I'm, what high school I am go to and stuff like that. Because <laughs> of my backpack or the way I dress. <laughs> um, so yeah, just track and field club, um, you know, master's track and field club, and or even just like sign up for, for, for track and field race. You don't need to be part of a club. I know a lot of athletes here who are good 5K runners, master's 5K runners who mainly do road, 
But once in a while, because they're better at the shorter distances, they know they're not so good at the half marathon, the marathon, they sign up for 5,000 meter or 10,000 meter on the track at open meets. So they can just search open meets. Uh, for these meets, I think it's recommended to be registered as a competitive athlete with the, the provincial uh, athletics organization, but it's really cheap. The membership is probably something, I think $60 a year or something like that. And then you get discounts at races, both road races, and uh, you can attend track events and you get uh, some insurance and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think it's worth it for a lot of people who think that whenever they think, they're thinking or they, whenever they tried something longer and they enjoyed it less the longer it was, might be a sign that <laughs> a stranger, look for these signs. <laughs> <laughs> So um, moving on from that, you're, you are a certified personal trainer, a certified coach, and a fitness instructor. I'm not certified as a coach yet. I'm trained as a coach. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Because I just started this year, so I'm working uh, towards getting NCCP certified. Um, but I, I just did the, the, the training uh, like to be able to coach. You have to get the training to be able to coach, and then you have head coaches that can help you because you're not certified yet. Um, so the personal training happened because once I finished studying, I was still like a uni- university student when I started track and field. And when I finished, when I finished studying, um, I couldn't get like a full time job. Um, uh, so I decided to, I didn't want to continue studying what I was studying, which was communications. Um, so I decided to look into other things to do while waiting for a job, kind of. And uh, I found out that my community center was uh, was offering personal training um, courses to be certified uh, by the province. So I took them and I really, really enjoyed them because all the stuff that I learned when I had the knee issues and tried to do some prehab around and all the stuff that the coach was telling me about, you know, technique and posture were stuff that were really important um, uh, and that you, I could learn more about while studying as a personal trainer. There was a big focus. My, um, my uh, trainer of trainers, like I don't know, my teacher, um, was really obsessed about good posture and the importance of proper form uh, when lifting and when moving. And and I, I, I really um, got along with her. And and she, then I decided that yeah, I would continue all the way. And it took about a year or so to get fully certified. Um, and then I did, you know, the practicum and and the and all the stuff required. And I started um, working at a gym as a group fitness instructor, teaching a uh, uh, dance fitness. At the beginning, I was a bit worried that my knee issues would come back because that's when I used to have knee pain was when I was just dancing and that's it. But actually, I think maybe the running or the prehab or the exercises made it so that I was moving more efficiently even when teaching dance fitness and I rarely get pain from dance fitness. I did probably got it once or twice, but when uh, wearing the appropriate footwear or something like that. Um, but yeah, um, I was pretty surprised by that actually. And uh, then I started to, I really wanted to help other runners um, after what happened with me. A lot, a lot of people were around were always talking about like, knee pain and like, uh, my grandmother and other people were always like, running is bad for your knees. And, and, and this, I find like that's kind of like they're, they're what everybody believes about running, that it's, it's bad for you. It's like, no, grandma, it's not bad for your knees. So you should be walking. <laughs> it's better. 
Um, so I, that's why I wanted to do personal training to help runners realize that there are ways that they can learn to um, imp- get stronger where, wherever they're weak uh, and, and, and then also to uh, be more aware of their body movements and uh, improve their posture so that they, w- they might not uh, get the knee issues that everybody uh, f- you know, feared they will get from, from running. So I just wanted to show people that it's possible to run without knee pain. And, and uh, yeah, I ended up like getting, I didn't advertise because by the time I finished my personal training course, I ended up getting a full-time job. So <laughs> I didn't end up advertising my personal training services much, but, you know, um, I decided to have a blog to help people still uh, when I'm not available and, um, and also to, to just like, you know, make myself available on the weekends and, uh, if people are contact through word of mouth, like friends of friends or people that I meet at races who just contact me and say, okay, you know, in, how long do you think it would take for you to help me with that t- issue? And, and then I would just like focus on them and, and create a sort of a program, not just like personal training session, but stuff for them to do at home, a, a, like a personalized warm up. Cause I found that's something that helped me a lot with the, track and field like I never learned to warm up until I joined a track and field club um and then you know stretches and stuff to do after your runs to help with recovery all these kind of stuff but adapted to their issues and uh, usually even after they don't see me for anymore they still like say oh I'm still doing that warm-up that you showed me so it, it, it makes me it makes me happy it makes me smile to know that so what is the address for your blog uh it's uh ready to run dot ca I think yeah, it's .ca. Ready, and then to the number, run.ca. Yeah, and I, I want to actually direct people to your blog. Um, I oh. think it's got some very good information on it, especially the tips and stories page. Um, at least right now, you know, you go into some great depth into, you know, how to stretch and the fact you actually put together videos for it. Because I think a lot of times when you're out searching the internet, you'll see a crudely drawn person and an arrow <laughs> And you're like, okay, I think I'm doing this right. But, you know, where you're actually putting the videos out there, obviously you see how someone does it and what it should look like. So it's much easier for people to learn it that way. So I think it's it's great knowledge you're putting out there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'll try to do more videos. I, I haven't done much videos lately, but, uh, yeah, definitely. I find it's a lot more useful than drawings or pictures. Like whenever I started doing the videos actually because of personal training clients rather than because of the blog, and then I ended up posting the same videos on the blog because people were like, I'm not sure I understand this exercise that you told me to do, and I'm not going to see until like two weeks. I was like, or just like going outside asking someone to <laughs> take a video of me doing a stretch and sending it to them. So, yeah, I think I'll, I'll do more videos then if it's uh, useful. Yeah. So um, I also know that you're involved with the West Van Run. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that and how you got involved? Yeah. So, um, but like this year at the beginning of the year, um, the West Van Run is a is a local um, 5K and 10K community run that's organized in, in an area of the the like Vancouver area where so far there has not been any road races in the you know long while and. Um, the person who uh, I volunteered for the race last year um, to help with baggage check-in and stuff like that because I couldn't race it, but a lot of my friends were were participating in the race. And then I got to meet the organizer, and him, um, he contacted me this year and asked if I could help um, because of my background in communications and marketing, helping 
um, promote the race and get people to sign up, especially people from the track and field community and uh, elite runners and get the word out and communities like all running clubs and sports clubs, etc. And ended up like actually uh, growing really fast. And I think if I remember well, this year we got 1,000 people participating in the race and we did not expect that many people at all because in the past it was in the hundreds, like few you know, a few hundreds attending and and so that was a very exciting thing to to be a part of to help or like to volunteer organizing a community event that probably got a lot of people um running the 5k or 10k for the first time and got got some fast people to compete against each other on a very very flat um uh, route which is kind of hard to do in in this area because um around Vancouver with all the mountains most routes always have some hills at some point so uh, people really enjoyed it and that was exciting and I offered also kind of last minute but I might do it a little bit earlier next year a few people like offered free um training sessions for anybody who was participating in a in the race and I got like um, a young woman who uh, never um, raced before or another one who was mainly a cyclist and it, it was all, all like very inspiring because a lot of them were motivated by that West Van run that we helped set up so that was their goal and that's the reason they were running a lot of them didn't sound like they would have been running if they had not signed up for that race so I think next year I'm gonna um, offer it a little bit earlier, the free training, because it was just a few weeks before the race, so I didn't get to do much with them. But th- that's a great offer to people because, you know, I think a lot of people just look for a little bit of direction, and that's really all they need to, you know, have their running career take off. So I, I think yeah. that's something great to give back. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I don't know, it, running has done so much for me in terms of, like, you know, getting, getting, myself busy and being motivated and meeting people that the social aspect was huge the running community is so great like I've not been involved in the community that was like so tight together and so willing to help each other before in any other kind of activity that I've done so that was the the biggest um plus um but yeah that's why I wanted to give back so any final words of wisdom for runners out there? Uh, try different things. <laughs> you never know what, what, you know, don't don't think that, oh, I'm not a runner because you just might not be a marathoner and that's it. You know, you have to try different things. Cross country, trail, sprints, 5Ks, you don't know. There's so many different ways that you can use your, your legs for sport. So if people are interested in following you, how can they go about doing it? Um, so I'm on Twitter as a uh, loose leaf runner, like loose leaf tea, but loose leaf runner. Um, I guess they can follow me on my blog, ready to run.ca. And I have a newsletter that I, uh, send out every time I post a blog post. Um, and, um, yeah, that's, uh, pretty much it. Well, thanks for talking to us today. You know, I think it's great to get a, a different perspective from the longer distances and the ultra runners, you know, and hearing about sprinting is, you know, really eye-opening to us. So thank oh, you. Thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter. Joe is at McRunner26 and I am at RunGooseRun. Until next week, keep your shoes tied and your feet moving. 
Want more info on the podcast? Head over to milesnotincluded.com. Are you on Twitter? We are too. Find us at MNI Podcast. Any questions, comments, or even like to be a guest on the show? Hit us up at podcast at milesnotincluded.com. Music.